Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, this is KK Downing, formerly of Judas Priest, and you're listening to Cobras and Fire podcast. You know what that's all about. Great music, great conversation, so crank it up as loud as you can. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast, part of the Decibel Geek podcast network, featuring special guest, formerly of Judas Priest, guitar player KK Downing. So don't go heading out to the highway because we get locked in on painkiller.
to Cobras on Fire. My name is Baco, and holy balls am I excited for the interview I have for you today. Like so many of you listening, Judas Priest was the soundtrack to my youth. Man, I can remember doing my paper route in blizzards with my little Walkman cranking Defenders of the Faith, screaming for vengeance, British Steel, all the classics. So being afforded the opportunity to talk to KK was not something I was going to pass up. And I'm not going to lie, for a while there... It looked like it wasn't going to happen, but everything got worked out, and I had a fabulous conversation. We talk about his new book, Heavy Duty, his time in Priest, what he's been up to for the last six or seven years, and so much more. If you're a fan of Judas Priest, if you're a fan of the show, I guarantee you're going to love it. Without further ado, let's get to it. K.K. Downing, formerly a Judas Priest, here on Cobras on Fire. You're in for surprise. You're in in London town streets When there's darkness and fire When you least expect me And you turn your back I'll attack I'd like to welcome to the program a metal perfumer, author, and of course, legendary former guitarist for uh, Judas Priest, KK Downing. How how's it going, KK? All good, back all good, mate. As long as you you guys are all good over there on the other side <laughs> of the Atlantic. Yeah, where am I talking to you from right now? Yeah, I'm in the UK. I'm at home. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, do you consider yourself retired? Like, uh, what what is what's a typical day for KK Downing right now? Yeah, no, I'm far from being retired. I don't know where that phrase ever came from, really. I mean, I quit the band, and that was it. And since then, I haven't stopped running, I think. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's... Um, by that, I mean, I've just been kept so busy, really, doing all sorts of things. And then I decide to go and write a book. I don't know. The things I get myself into... <laughs> well, the book comes out on September 18th. It's called uh, Heavy Duty. Uh, w- when did you start putting the book together? Uh, last year, actually. Oh, so it came, <clears throat> came together fairly quick then. Yeah, yeah, not too bad at all. Um, like I say, I'd been, I'd been asked many times since I quit the band, um, but said no, and then as the years rolled by, I thought, well, maybe I should, um, you know, I'll put something down in writing, you know, for various reasons. Okay. Um, I mentioned that you are, of course, now a perfumer. Uh, I'm talking about your Metal for Men cologne. Uh, how do you, <laughs> how does someone make that transition from being the guitar player and Judas Priest to making men's cologne? I mean, how did that come in? I don't, I don't know, really. I quit the band, then I met this guy, and, you know, had a few beers in the pub. <laughs> Next thing you know, it sounds like a good thing, Metal for Men, you know, you know. Uh, you know, we travel the world to a lot of countries, and a lot of guys could do with something, you know. I mean, um, you know, because you go to a lot of countries and there's a lot of pretty girls there, but um, some of the guys, you know, I mean, we have a tough time. I was the same. I used to go to so many music festivals, you know, and you could never afford anything, you know, so I thought, I'll make something that guys can afford and uh, smell up a bit. If you have to spend a few nights in a tent, why not? <laughs> That's actually a great great concept, if you think about it. A metal, uh, kind of like a horse bath for metal fans. Just kind of yeah, yeah. S- make yourself smell a little better each morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you, do you sell, do your girlfriend a favor, guys? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, 
you know, the, one of the things about the Judas Priest catalog that I've always found fascinating is that the band kind of continued to evolve during your time there. Um, early on, it was kind of more of a straight-ahead classic sound, but it seemed with... I'm probably not the first to say it, but with Killing Machine was kind of where that kind of metal sound kind of de- developed. Um, uh, was that kind of by happenstance, or was that kind of like by design? You guys were were starting to sense that this was going to be more of the way you wanted to go. Yeah, I think <clears throat> we were evolving. You know, we were growing up and evolving, really trying to hone in our skills and feeling our way, and um, of course. You know, to start with, you've got uh, five individuals that kind of all, you know, as much as we were kind of generally united musically, you know, everybody does think about things a bit differently mm-hmm. when they bring ideas and, and uh, you know, for songs to the table, you know. And um, it's very much a kind of, you're going forward, it's a kind of a vetting exercise to see what's acceptable you know, um, what's allowed in and what isn't allowed in. Um, and so you go through that, that process, I think, that needs to be gone through for most bands. Um, and, and as I say, as time goes on, you know, you, talk, you kind of, you know, fit into some kind of uh, category, some kind of niche, uh, and you unanimous, unanimously decide, you know, a direction going forward and... Uh, and once it's, you know, certified, established, and I think for Priest, it was probably British Still that brought it all together for us, really, with the look, the name of the band, uh, the razor blade on the album cover and the music on the album. You know, uh, for the first time, collectively, it uh, came together in... Uh, in uh, with force, really, uh, in that year, 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on Killing Machine, do you know why that was changed to Hellbent for Leather as far as the title in the United States? Yeah, I think it was just considered to be a bit, you know, I mean, in the UK it was fine because, I mean, <clears throat> you know, um, for one reason or another, I mean, we did, we don't have guns in the UK and, okay. you know, and it was, um, I don't know, it was just something that, a record label decision kind of deal, or yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. So we said not not a problem, really. You know, um, yeah. In fact, on reflection, you know, I really like Hellbent for Leather. It was very, very kind of um, fitting, really. So um, you know, for the time, that was quite befitting as well. You know.
You know, kind of a random question. How much money do you, do you suppose Gull Records got reissuing your first two records over and over again? <laughs> I think more more than I like to think, to be honest. But it's uh, <laughs> more than I like to think. Um, whatever it was, it was uh, definitely more than we got. That was for sure. Yeah, I, I heard the story there. But uh, you know. Uh, um, Dave Holland was probably the first drummer you guys had that stuck around for a little bit. Did you guys ever get credited for uh, the self-combusting drummer in Spinal Tap? Do you know what I'm talking about there? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think they ever did, really. But, um, yeah, um, I love that movie, but it's just too too close to the bone. <laughs> too <say>. true. <laughs> Um, well, you know, like during the '80s, I think uh, you guys are riding pretty high. I don't remember hearing too much about like uh, Priest being um, uh, like an off the rails kind of party band. Were, were drugs a big issue with you guys at all? No, no. I would have to say no. Um, like I say, um, you know, it um, it wasn't a thing for Priest. Okay, um, there was an abundance of all of that going on. Um, you know, um, that's all I could say. I mean, I don't, the last thing I want to do is sound like um, some do-gooder type of person, but, but for me, I kind of um, went through uh, those kind of uh, peer pressure type of situations and all of that happening in the, in the mid, in the 60s, really. You know, in the flower power, oh. you know, people would smoke, smoke, smoke joints, you know, and this, that, and the other bit. So, you know, as a fan, as a music fan, before I ever played shows or did anything, you know, uh, I would have to say some experimentation went on. But, you know, uh, I can say that safely now without getting arrested, can't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, the, I think the statute of limitations is up there. <laughs> Yeah, at, at my age, I think that that's it. You know, they, you know, it's. Uh, they, they don't make cells for people of my age these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me a nice cozy armchair with some slippers and a pipe and a and a television and a, you know, the sports paper. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, are it you was just one of those. Yeah. Uh, just, just to just to finish, you know, I, I had an adversity to it going on. It didn't didn't work with. With what I thought, you know, uh, we should be bringing to the table, really, as uh, special representatives from uh, the UK, and uh, and uh, and all about be, playing some great shows, you know, and being completely comprehensive while it was going on. Yeah, well, fair enough. Um, I mean, that jives with my memory. I just don't remember, you know, you, you know, some bands get notorious for some other party, and I just don't remember hearing anything like that about priests. We had the up. parties, mate. We, we had the parties, but it was kind of. Uh, it was oh well, you know. I mean, uh, plenty of uh, beer and uh, whatever else mm-hmm. was in the room at the time going on. You know, plenty, plenty of all of that. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, no doubt about that. Are you familiar with the movie Rock and or Heavy Metal Parking Lot? Yeah, I'm pretty familiar with it. Yeah, I've seen quite a few. How, how did it make you feel uh, watching that? Was it something positive or is it kind of like eh? 
No, no, it's all good. In fact, it's it's legendary now, isn't it? Really, yeah, yeah. you know that. I met the film. I met the filmmakers about a year ago. Yeah, well, so much of it is real, isn't it? You know, you can't shun it all. You know, steer away from it. It's you know, it, it's it, it is what it is. It, it's, it's. I can remember driving through those parking lots, you know, to get to a gig. Yeah, it it was. I can remember being one of those guys in the parking lot. If that makes you feel any better, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me, too, me too. As a fan, I was, I was exactly the same. You know, you, you know, um, yeah. I got, just you just have to do it. Um, going forward a little bit from there, because uh, I think that was recorded on the Turbo Tour. But with Turbo and Ram It Down, those are at least from my you know perspective. Again, probably not the most unique uh, opinion, but uh, your, your poppiest records. And then you kind of come back with that pretty blistering record in painkiller which could almost be seen as an over correction uh had, had you guys felt like the band had lost its way by the end of the 80s yeah i think we did the turbo album then we did the ram it down album which I, I really do i still think kicks ass i think it's got so much energy that record um but dave dave had left the band dave holland had quit mm-hmm. and um and um it enabled us then to um, get Scott into the band. We found out about Scott, and obviously with the addition of Scott, with uh, with his double kicks and and everything he could bring to the table, enabled myself and Glenn to expand our writing techniques, really, in respect of drum patterns and tempos and stuff. So um, I guess one thing led to another, really, um, and. Suddenly, we were able to create, you know, uh, the beast that is the Painkiller album. I guess, really, you know, even though we didn't, we didn't really know what we were creating at the time. I think a lot of bands don't. I swear to God, you know, I, I think about when Pink Floyd were doing Dark Side of the Moon. Did they think we we actually we we know that we're creating the biggest selling record ever <laughs> in history? You know, I mean, they just wouldn't have had a clue. They would say we're just doing the best we can at the time. Yep. You know, yeah. um, and that's right. much more bad. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Because you you can't, you don't have, nobody, nobody has a crystal ball, you know. Um, so, uh, uh, but the Painkiller album wasn't a, a, a big in, instant success for us either, you know. I think for a lot of fans, it was a bit too edgy, maybe, you know. Um, even heavier than stuff that, you know, that we'd done before, you know, um, a lot of stuff on there. It could be your heaviest record. Well, you know, musically we, we were using, you know, different, um, different, um, there's different musical entities crept in, you know, a lot more stuff were, we were using uh, for the first time. Well, not exactly for the first time, but more of, you know, uh, Phrygian mode and diminished scales and... Uh, Whole tone, half tone, and and uh, harmonic minor stuff, and you know, so we, our writing techniques were a bit different as well. So it sounded darker, you know. Those scales and modes will have a, a be a bit darker, um, and so it goes on from there, you know. Did uh, Rob, in any time in your career in the band, did he ever crash the Harley on stage? Yeah, <laughs> like really bad, or like just like a tap, or yeah. like did he ever fall over and he's laying sideways. Times when there were petrol in the tank as well in the early days. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. Well, what did you guys um, do? Did you go run over to help him or just keep playing? <laughs> well, it was pretty idle, but usually a couple of the crew members would dive on there and help out, you know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, you guys were involved with what I think was probably, at least by memory, I don't have a, don't quote me on that, but it was one of the last of the subliminal message trials that some of the bands got uh, dragged into during that time. Um, did that have any? I know Rob quit shortly after that. Did that that trial have any bearing on him leaving the band? No, I don't think so at all. I don't know what was in Rob's mind at that time. Um, uh, to this day, I don't know because you know it was different. People had different ideas. You know, um, we thought that Rob probably wanted to do what Ozzy was doing. Ozzy did did really, had quite a lot of success doing his thing and you know, but I think that in between tours and records Robert made a lot of contacts you know um, he uh, procured uh, someone that he knew to be his manager and met other musicians and did things and I think he just wanted to do it his way to coin uh, Okay. Uh, uh, Frank Sinatra's, uh, you know, just do it his way and was aspiring to do what Ozzy did, I guess, in a way. But um, we weren't too sure whether Rob was hungry to announce to the world that he was gay. I don't know whether he wanted to do that. We thought that might happen, but that never happened for quite a lot of years later. Right. So we, we, we were wrong about that. Um, so Rob just disappeared for about 14 years, I think it was doing his own thing, and, um, and of course, Glenn did a couple of records himself. And so it was dark times, really, for the band, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, myself, I never had any interest in doing anything like that, really. Okay. Um, you know, I just wanted to, uh, any, any, anything worth anything of any value... Um, I think justifiably uh, from me would have been put into the band for the band's utilisation.
you did a couple records with Ripper, and then Rob uh, eventually does come back. It was around 2005, and you do the uh, the the I think is a, a, a fucking great record in Angel of Retribution. And, but then you followed it up with the concept record, which Nostradamus, which seemed odd for me at, the, at least, anyways. Was everybody on board with uh, Nostradamus, the whole concept? Yeah. There? Okay, so yeah, it was everybody. Everybody was, you know. Um, but there's always lots of things that people don't consider, I think, you know. Um, irrespective of what every people want, it's not always the case that it's easy for us to deliver up that, you know. <laughs> yeah, and okay. um, it's not always that easy. Um, so rightly or wrongly, it was suggested to do a concept album that might, you know, turn into a musical or doing something like that. But it was good for us to do that, and it was a great showcase for us as musicians, and particularly Rob, to sh- even show how much more dy- dynamics uh, that he-, he had to offer. Yeah. You know, um, um, it was just something, you know, before... You never know what's going to happen, because we were getting older, and to us, we're, 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 we're like nearly 10 years older now than we were then, but we were still kind of older guys then. You never know what's going to happen. So before it all ends, you want to, if you want to do something, you better do it now, you know. It was like me. For the last seven or eight years, people have asked me, oh, you, 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 do you want to write a book? Do you want to write a book? I'll write your book, you know. And, uh, and I said, no, no, no. And, then, you know, year one, two, three, four, five, six. Then you get to seven, year seven or eight, and you think, I'd better do it now, otherwise it might never get done. <laughs> And so you do it, um, but in 10 years' time, if I'm still here, somebody could say, why did you write a book? I said, well, <laughs> I, I, thought, I, thought, I'm, I thought it was getting late in the day, mate. I need to do, I think I need to do it before it's too late. So uh. it kind of gets to be a bit like that, you know. Um, but the Nostradamus album, as a musical work, um, I'll stand by it 100%. You know, okay. I will stand by it. Did you quit the band because you heard they were going to be on American Idol? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you dodged a bullet, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, would have, I would have said that's bullshit if, 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 if it had been up to me, I oh, think. Man. Can I say that? Oh. You know, that's... Well, it was kind of unceremonious. What was the straw that broke the camel's back for you with Priest? Well... You know, it was a lot of things. Um, you know, I wasn't ha- too happy with what, how the band was. You know, um, everything seemed to have slowed down. You know, uh, Glenn was drinking his beers before going on stage, and I mean, between every song, that that started to be, you know, an issue because I, I just felt nervous about on stage. You know, um, I guess if you if you're going to fly an airline and you can, you know, with you and your buddies. You know, co-pilots. You want everybody to be on board, right? Not yeah. just trying to. Have, you, it's it, the, you. You've got a responsibility. You know, uh, so you know it's it's rock and roll. I'm not. You know, I can't. I can't get on people's case for not being rock and roll. But it just didn't suit me. That was a big because I, I found I wasn't enjoying the shows, um, and and I guess obviously, you know, um, it just seemed like you know, um, Glenn and Jane were making the decisions, and it was, I just felt like I was working, and I was, felt I was employed a bit, you know, and, and so I thought that that was wrong, and um, and and being asked to make a five-track EP, 
no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to do it. And I didn't do it. Uh, and that was that was probably the last straw, I thought. Okay. And unfortunately, I'm glad, I'm glad the guys decided it was a bad idea because it would have been a bad idea. But I'm being told, you know, this is what we've got to do. And I'm thinking, no, we've got... We should vote dec- democratically what we're going to do and what we're not and, and let the case be heard, the fours and the against, you know. So basically I'm thinking, Mm-mm. you know, if that's the way it's going to be, it's yours, you know, I'm yeah. out of here, something's got to give. Um, and, and and that was it, you know. Um, I'd probably felt like that a, a fair few times, but, you know, uh, I'd carried on, but I'm thinking, no, this is it, no, no more, it's got to be, I need to have a say in what's, uh, what's right and what's wrong, you know. Sure. Um, and I assume you saw Ian Hill's explanation for why they never reached out for you about possibly rejoining with the issue with Glenn. What did, what did you think of his reasoning? Uh, Complete load of bollocks. Can I say that live on the air? Because I'd like sure. to. Sure. It's not. I mean, it, honestly, <laughs> look. I'm not trying to start with anybody, but he may as well have just said we couldn't. We we can't have two blonde guitar players on stage. No, it's it's, it's obviously. If I did rejoin the band, obviously I step into my role. That's where people would expect me to be. And Richie was already playing Glenn stuff anyway. Yeah. Just steps over there, and and we do that. You know, it wasn't the case that I was going to play Glenn's part and Richie plays mine. That, you know, that just didn't, Ian, I'm thinking, Ian, was it too early in the day or too late in the evening when you came up with this idea? <laughs> I don't know. But I don't know. Bless him. Bless him because, you know, we've been, you know, we were like brothers. We went to infant school together, secondary school together, you know, and we mm. lived a career together. Um, but I'm not totally happy about what's been said, Ian seems to be making, you know, things like none of the fans are missing KK and and uh, Richie's brought a new energy to the band and so I'm going, Ian, dude, on that last tour I was the energy, I slowed down <laughs> because people weren't keeping up with me. We actually that, use that, that as a joke on our show once in a while. Richie, that line, Richie adds new energy to the band. It's, uh, my co-host is going to love that you drop that in there. Yeah, well, like I say, that's a true story because I came... I started off that tour. I played a few shows, and then, and and then Scott made a comment, and he said, "What do you mean, man? It's your show." <laughs> and I'm thinking, does he, does he think I'm trying to steal a limelight by doing what I've always done? So you know, then I, I started to back off, and then I was in in an unhappy place from that point. I didn't want everybody to think that I was trying to steal a, the limelight. Sure. You know, what I wasn't because Rob's reading his auto cue. He slowed down. Glenn's going over there for a beer in between every song, and I'm thinking, hmm, I don't know, you know. Um, so I'm thinking, Ian, you know, get a grip with yourself, mate. I mean, <laughs> you just replace the energy with some energy. Fine, well, great. <laughs> but that's not moving forward, Ian. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, well, the book, Heavy Duty, Days and Nights in Judas Priest, like I said, it comes out September 18th on DeCapo Press. Uh, KK, I really appreciate your time. They're telling me to wrap it up here a little bit. Uh, but obviously, if you enjoyed this conversation, you'll get all these stories and more in the book, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Bako, it's been great talking to you, mate, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak um, to all the fans and the people out there sure. who have supported us over the years. And uh 
I, you know, on a note, I just want everyone to know that I'm very grateful for the career that I've had. You know, uh, total respect to all of uh, my fellow bandmates. We've been partners, um, and we've uh, been very successful. And we owe it to everyone out there. So thank you very much for everything. Thank you very much. And please, uh, if you are of a mind to, uh, to check out the book, I hope you enjoy it. Truly an honor, KK. Thank you, Mike. Hope to see you sometime. All right. Rock on. Take care. Bye.
are you, Jason? I'm well, Ken. Uh, you can call me Baco is the name I record under, but... Yeah, I can see that. Baco Bakken. Cobras and Fire Podcast. Very good. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.